0: It's so great to see you this morning, it is a packed house and so glad that you're here. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it'll take us a little while to get there, but we will get there to the last few verses of Acts chapter 2. I am excited about this morning, I've been talking about this morning for a while and many of you that came in this morning said we can't wait uh, to hear what you have to say this morning and uh, I have to tell you though, I I am breaking every possible church growth rule this morning. Because the way this works is that you have a lot of people on Easter, more than normal, and they come, and if they like it, they come back the next week. And so the next week is actually maybe even more important. Uh, As I said a minute ago, one of our community groups had 11 visitors, so I know there's a lot of 11 visitors and many more I know, uh, but instead of just doing what I normally do week after week, I'm doing something dramatically different than I ever do. I've been here 16 months, the first time I've ever done anything like this. And the truth is this morning we are gonna have a little bit of a a family conversation. But at the same time, I I think for those of you who are our guests, this is a really good day for you to be here. It will show you who we are and who we wanna be and where we're headed. These are fun days, these are exciting days. God is stirring some things in our church and we're very excited about what he's doing and so this morning we're gonna talk about some of the ways in which we're going to respond to the work of God. And this is how this happens, is that we pray, we seek the Lord, God works, and we respond to the movement and the work of the Lord. This is how it works in our lives day to day. We're looking for the Lord is working, we're trying to join with him. So this morning is much of that. When you come to pastor a new church, as I did about 16 months ago, one of the primary things you're trying to do at the very beginning is to look and listen and discern what is it that makes this church distinct? Where are the areas in which God is already blessing? What are the things deep in the DNA of the church that you wanna make sure you don't mess up? That's what you're thinking. Now, I know everyone's thinking of well, a new pastor, a lot of changes, and certainly there's truth to that. There uh, have been changes, there will be changes, and that's part of the equation. But the primary issue is not change, the primary issue is what is it that God is doing? What has God invested in this church? And I just wanted to be real careful that I don't mess up the really good stuff that's happening here, and has been happening here for about 107 years. God has done a lot of good things in this church. And I think about that, and I think about the history of the church, and Uh, the over 40 years of the faithful ministry of Brother Bill, and and there is is a great legacy at Prince. There is a legacy of solid preaching. There is a legacy, my goodness, if you look at the history of this church, a legacy of faith, of a group of people who moment by moment stepped out in faith and walked in faith and saw God show up. There is a legacy of generosity. There is a legacy of of faithfulness, and there is a legacy of, of missions. I mean, our mission offering in December this year was $415,000 from a church this size. That's not any of our regular mission giving, which is almost about that same amount through the budget. That's just an offering, and there's a legacy of missions. We have people all over the world from this church. But the one distinctive of Prince that has been most important to me, and I believe most important to our future, and I've said it over and over again, and I'm gonna continue to say it until we all can say it, I believe the most distinctive mark of Prince is that Prince is a family. And for those who have chosen to get involved in the family, and I mean not just attend on Sunday morning, but to become a part of a community group and to invest themselves and to serve, I think all of them have discovered the same thing, that there is something about Prince that feels like a family, and Andrea and I have, have discovered it and have enjoyed it and loved it. I remember the very first time that we came, before I was ever uh, the pastor here, Andrea and I just flew in from Texas to visit on one Sunday morning. No one but the search committee knew who we are, and we were asking this question. Would we want to raise five kids in this church? Because I'm not just coming to pastor. I'm raising my kids in this church. Do I want to raise five kids in this church? And Andrea and I were so overwhelmed and encouraged by the good things that God was doing here. This is something deep within our church This is more than a gathering, it's more than programs, it's more than ministries, this is a family. And the reason I love that so much is not because that's a distinctive of friends, but I love it because that is, I would venture to say, maybe the primary distinguishing feature, listen, of the early church. That may be the distinctive feature of the first century church. And so what's encouraging is there's something about our church distinct which was also distinct about the first century church. And that's one of those things you don't wanna mess up. You just wanna capitalize on that. The Bible is filled with metaphors for the church. The church is like a body. The church is like a house. The church is like a temple. Do you know that family is not a metaphor for the church? The church is not like a family. The church is a family. We're not trying to pretend to be a family. The church is a gathering of those who have been born again. Meaning that they have come into new life in Christ and they've been born again into a new family. In which Jesus, according to Hebrews 2.11, is our brother. And he's not ashamed to call us brothers, which is an amazing statement. He, through his sacrifice on the cross, has allowed us to be adopted into the family, joined to the same heavenly father. And so it is that we're not just like a family, we are those who have been adopted into the family... United to Christ and ultimately to God the Father. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters, very real brothers and sisters brought together by Jesus Christ. The glorious thing about the church is the church is this very unusual multi generational family gathering. And this is why Romans 12 10 through 11 says that we should love one another with brotherly affection. Why? Because that's the reality that we are family. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there's an interesting transition that happens in the New Testament. 30 times in the book of Acts, the word disciple is used, 30 times. And certainly the Great Commission, Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. That's what we're all about here at Prince. The way we say it is leading people to trust and follow Jesus. That's a disciple. A disciple is someone who trusts and follows Jesus. And so that's our mission. But if you ever noticed that after the book of Acts, the word disciple is never used again. Now, it's not that that's not still important. No, we are a church that makes disciples. It's the last instruction of Jesus is to wait until the Holy Spirit comes, and then when he comes, you will go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything he's commanded. But there is a transition that happens, and it's a really unusual thing, it seems, because over and over, the emphasis is on disciples, but all of a sudden when you begin, the letters to the churches in the book of Romans the word disciple is replaced with the word brethren. Over 250 times from Romans till the end of the New Testament is the idea of brethren, meaning the brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are a part of the family. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul and Peter, James, John are all trying to communicate is the church is not just a gathering of disciples. The church is a gathering of a family. We're not just a group of people who decided to follow the same Lord. We have, but it's deeper than that. Once we made that decision to follow Jesus, God has brought us into a new family. You see this over and over in Scripture. It's the whole point of the book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians because it's written to a group of Gentiles who have just come to know the Lord, but they're concerned about something. Here's their concern. They're concerned that maybe they might not get in on all of the blessings that belong to the Jews. They're discovering the truth of the Old Testament, that this is God's chosen people. And so they come to Christ and they wonder, do we get in on all of this? And so the whole book of Ephesians is Paul writing them saying, listen, if you've come to Christ, all of the blessings are yours in Jesus Christ that you because you are in Christ are a part of the chosen people of God. Who are the chosen people of God? Everyone who's in Christ. That you have been adopted into the family of God. And then he says this, you are an heir of the promises of God that every promise ever made to the people of God belongs to everyone who is in Christ Jesus. And then he says this in Ephesians 2:19. So then, you are no longer aliens and strangers. You're not outsiders looking in. No, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. All of you, because you're in Christ, doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter your ethnic background, when you come to Christ, you become a member of the household of God. And the reason this was so significant to many first-generation Christians is because many of them had left mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters in order to follow Christ, and the only family they had left was the church of Jesus Christ. This is the whole point of Matthew 19 where Peter says, "Jesus, we have left everything for you." And Jesus says this: "Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, fathers, mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life." Now, I don't think he's simply talking about all that we receive in eternity, and that's true. Listen to me, there is nothing you will ever give up on this earth that will not pale in comparison to the glory that you receive in heaven. One of the reasons we're willing to sacrifice now and say no now and give now and serve now and exhaust yourself for the kingdom now is because we believe life is short and eternity is long and everything we sacrifice here, a hundredfold is replaced in eternity. But he's, he's not just talking about that. He's actually saying to them that what is going to happen is that there are going to be local churches. And this is why you see this transition from Romans all the way to the end. And you're going to have left mother and father and brothers and sisters. He even says some of you might leave children, meaning you're the only one in your family that's going to follow Jesus. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you in a local church. And I'm going to put you in a church in which you're going to have all kinds of ages there. And so some of you ladies who have never experienced a, a really good mother are going to be able to find one in the church. And some of you that left a father are going to be able to find one in the church. And some of you that had to leave children to follow Jesus will find more in the church. That this is the way it's to work. This encouraging point that God has created a new family. And for some, particularly those in the first century, this was the only real family they knew. And there's so many reasons this matters for us. There's so many reasons, I'm going to repeat this over and over, because it matters for us to think this way relationally. I mean, if I just see you as another church member, if I just see you as another disciple, that's not sufficient. I have to see you as a real brother and sister, Like, that changes the way I feel about you. It changes the way I serve you and care for you. It changes my affections for you. No, we love one another with brotherly affection. This matters and really encourages our depth and commitment for one another. Not only does it matter relationally, it matters spiritually. This is where we learn how to love and care for one another. I mean, I think all of us would acknowledge, if we were honest, it'd be much easier to be a Christian all alone, like with no other people that we had to love. That would be an easier thing to do But the reason you have two great commandments is because God has called us not only to grow in our love for him, but to grow in our love for one another. And the church is the context we do that. Do you know that? Like this is the place where you're forced to get along. You're forced to love one another. You're forced to care with one another. And all of us, because we're family, we're just annoying at times. But there's no out. You're a part of the family. And so God says, I'm gonna put you in a local family and you're gonna learn how to love and you're gonna learn how to care and you're gonna love how to sacrifice. This is a massive part of our sanctification. I think one of the things that God wants to continue to invest deep in our souls is this simple truth, that the church is not an event in which you attend, the church is a family in which you belong. The church is not an event in which you attend. And if all you're doing is coming to attend a church, you're missing out on what God intended for the church. It is a family in which you are to find belonging. That's God's vision for the church. But can I say this? I think this idea matters not only relationally and spiritually, it matters missionally. People need more than sermons and music and worship. They need more than a Sunday morning event. People need connections and relationships. I'm seeing such an interesting trend these days, and I think you may be noticing it too, that there was a time not even too long ago in which people were looking for most in a church was a great Sunday morning production, that they wanted a great event to go to on a Sunday morning. But what I'm discerning, even particularly among college students and high school students, is they don't want simply an event they can attend. You know why? Because they can hear preaching online. And they can hear better music online. You can hear better preaching online. I'm not just talking about going online and hearing mine. Like you can find a lot of better preachers out there. You don't need to come here for preaching and singing. You should, but you can find all of those things. What you can't find at home is the type of community that a church provides. And what you're seeing is this rising generation who's tired of just going to be entertained. And they're looking for a family to join with. And a lot of the reason is this, is because they didn't have one at home. Because they didn't have a mom that taught them how to be a mom. And they didn't have a dad that invested that wisdom. And so where are they ever going to get it? Jesus' answer is they're going to get it in the multi-generational church of Jesus Christ. That's where they're going to get it. Missionally, this really matters. And I think one of the distinctives of our church is actually the key to the growth and the health of our church And then we have an opportunity to say, listen, we want to be a place in which there is family. Come here and experience what you need most, that relational connection through Jesus Christ. And you know, I think one of the reasons we know that this is resonating with people is because our church is is growing. I mean, by God's grace, the church is growing. And it's not just because of the preaching and it's not just because of the music. It's not just because of Ryan's incredible hair. There's a lot more to it than that. It is ridiculously great. I just, I hate it every time. Where is he? It's pitiful. If I had that hair, we'd be running 5,000 in three weeks. I guarantee you that's true. No question in my mind. Part of this fundraiser is hair transplants. We'll get that in a minute, so. now listen, the... They're looking for more than that. The truth is, is is, we're growing not just because of the music and the preaching, we're growing because there is something distinct and unusual about our church, I'm telling you. You've heard me say it before, I'm asking college students, why would you drive all the way out here and pass 10 other churches on the way and multiple of them have said the same thing because Prince feels like family. It's one of the distinctive things of our church and the distinctive things of the New Testament and so here's our commitment as a church. Listen, here's our commitment. Our commitment is to continue to grow for the glory of God. Why? Because a lot more people need to know Jesus. But to continue to grow while at the same time making sure we don't lose that which makes us distinct. You realize this is a moment to be thinking about that. Because it would be possible for us to grow, but to lose what makes us distinct. To grow so much where we lose that feeling of family, which is the primary mark of our church and of the New Testament church. You say, well, how do we do this? How do we continue to grow but keep that feeling of family? I think the simple answer is this. Here it is. I think we work hard to cultivate the habits of a healthy family. We work hard to cultivate the habits of a healthy family. This doesn't happen by default. It happens because we work at it. That we say we're committed to cultivate these habits of a healthy family. And I think those habits are in Acts chapter 2. Say so why? Because that's the first family gathering. That's the first time in which, as a New Testament church, 3,000 people get saved and they all start gathering. And look at what it says starting in verse 42. If you're there in Acts 2, say amen. amen. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Can I just stop right there and say, Every generation tries to recreate church and make it something really exciting and relevant. Do you realize at the end of the day, 2,000 years later, we're still doing the exact same thing. We're gathering for preaching and singing and fellowship. It's not that complicated. Can I just say that? And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You say, what were they doing when the family gathered? Well, they were teaching and they were fellowshipping. They were worshiping. They were praying. There was communion. They were sharing with one another. As anyone had need, there was Eating together. And it says that they would assemble together in the temple. And then when they get done with the temple, they would go home and they would meet in homes. And there was this togetherness. What I love about this passage is twice it mentions this idea of being together. That they weren't just eating. They weren't just giving. They weren't just worshiping, fellowshipping. They were together. There was something in them at the very beginning that longed together together to cultivate these habits of a healthy family. And this is exactly what a church family does. It's the way that God intended it to be. One of the things that encourages me about the end of Acts 2 is what I see in there is our discipleship pathway. So we say our mission is to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. well, so how are you gonna do that? It's through our discipleship pathway. We're gonna equip people to live a life of worship, a life in community, and a life on mission. Everything in Acts 2 is worship, community, mission. It's our open relationship with God, hearing, teaching, praying, It's our inward relationship with one another where we're learning how to share with one another and eat together and fellowship together. And it is outward life of mission because day by day, God keeps adding to the church. And by the way, I think one of the reasons God was adding day by day is not simply because of the power of the preaching of the gospel, because the power of the testimony of the gathered family. That's what was happening in Acts 2. The power of the testimony of the gathered family. People were drawn to the community that was happening there together. They cultivated this relationship. God created it. They cultivated it. So the reason we're family is because God. God started it. God cultivated it. He began the work in us. He gathered us. Now our job is to cultivate those marks and habits of a faithful family. So we're a growing family. That isn't a moment in which we need to be cultivating these habits of a faithful and healthy family. And so let me tell you some things that we're going to need to do. I want to talk to you about uh, some big picture things and some practical things. So our response to the growing family with this commitment to make sure that we continue to remain a family is driving us to a few things. First of all, uh, in the fall, uh, most likely on August 18th, and we'll talk much more about this later, uh, we're going to go to multiple services. Uh, We have to. Uh, Every single week we're watching people from the welcome desk who come in, look for a seat and leave. They can't find a place. And so we're going to do that. The most exciting thing to me about that is not preaching twice. The most exciting thing is not even just the positive of having an early and a later service. Here's the best thing about this. Listen. The best thing about this is if we double our services, it means we also double our community groups. See, as a growing family that wants to continue to keep a sense of family, there's impossible for us to do that without more places and small groups for people together. We have to have that. I taught our new members class this last Wednesday night. 30 people joined the church on Wednesday night. There was college students, there were singles, there were couples in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, all in that class. Incredibly encouraging. But you know what I was thinking? Where are these people going to plug in in a community group? Because almost everyone is full. So the opportunity to go to two services allows us to open more classes and it allows us to open more groups for people we don't have groups for. We're going to open groups for singles and for for young uh, adults, young professionals who've graduated college and are figuring out what's next. And for young couples and multi-generational classes, all of those are things that we need to provide. And so this will give us an opportunity to do that, which I'm very, very excited about. It opens up more service opportunities. Can you just think about, we're going to talk about this more later, just think about this. If you're doubling your community groups and doubling your services, you have to double your greeters, you have to double your ushers, you have to double your parking lot uh, attendants, you have to double your preschool workers, you have to double your children's Sunday school teachers, you have to double your community groups, which means that the days of a few family members working while the others are sitting on the couch are over. I have five children. I can give this lecture all day. We don't have two people sitting on the couch while three people are working. All of us are going to have to work. And here's what I love about that. Every member is going to have a place to serve. And as a family member, that's a joy, right? It's not a burden. We joy, rejoice in serving those who are coming to this church. And our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is an opportunity to do that. And so all of that is coming. It means more pastoral care. And I'll address this at a later date, but we are even staffing-wise and budget-wise really addressing the need that as a growing family, we need more pastoral care. So all of those things are going on. Your staff is working hard on all of those things behind the scenes. Let me tell you about some practical matters that really need to be taken care of now in order for us to do all of this. So I'm going to tell you a few things here, some of which are very exciting, some of which are frankly not exciting at all, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now. Some of them are not exciting, they're just necessary. Think about it this way. It's exciting to add onto your home or redecorate a room. It's just necessary to get a new air conditioning, right? This one's not exciting. This one's exciting, but they're all necessary. So I've got some exciting and just some necessary things. And they're not long-term, 10 years down the road things. They're right now things that need to be addressed at this very moment. So I'm gonna give you four essential needs. You don't have to write these down. You know why? At the end of the service, you're going to get one of these. Put that on the screen right there. Look at that. Front and back, trifold. You're going to get that, all right? I'm not going to give it to you now because you'll stop listening. You'll get this as you leave today. So just listen. This lays out four essential needs right now, okay? It's about to get fun. Just wait just a minute, all right? The first one is this. We just need parking. Can I just say that? We have to have parking. Uh, right there is uh, the outside of Entrance D right there where we already have about 50, 60 people parking every single Sunday. It's great on a day like this, on a day like Easter when people are parking there and it's muddy, it's not so great. I talked to a family recently that comes every single Sunday and uh, they have uh, a child who is in a wheelchair with some special needs. They said, Pastor, is there any way, there's never any handicap parking left, is there anything we can do? Because we've been parking every single day out in that dirt. And so we get the wheelchair out and we pull it through the mud and we get it up on Sunday morning and we've worked that situation out. But we have a lot of those, a lot of things like that. We just need more parking. So, what we're gonna do is right outside of uh, entrance D, where people are already parking, we're gonna add 123 new parking spots. Isn't this so exciting? I thought there'd be a standing ovation right there. <laughs> 123 new parking spots. Thank you very much. This crowd is very excited. It's gonna be great. Let me tell you one of the other things we're gonna do. The excitement's not so great when I have to beg for it. But anyway, one of the other things we're gonna do, that also is gonna give us a new entrance and exit. To Ruth Jackson, the reason that's important is because when two services start, you may have experienced this last week, we need making sure everyone is coming in the main entrance and out another exit. And so this gives us a new entrance and exit. That's already been zoned. Uh, We've already got bids on it. We can start that right now. It's ready. It's approved. We're ready to do that. So 123 new parking spots. Second of all, issues of visibility and property. Okay? A couple of things. We need to update some signs Uh, I'd like to put the word church on our front sign just because we're a church here, so I'd like to do that. There's some other signs. It's funny, that's like the cheapest thing of all. It's the thing everybody's most excited about, so (laughs) we'll do that. Uh, Let me tell you another thing you may not know. There are 14 acres on the corner of Ruth Jackson and 78, okay? You know what I'm talking about, It's 14 acres absolutely prime property, uh, which when we purchased the rest of this property, we got an option on, which lasts us a couple of more years. That 14 acres is ours for $262,000. It's ridiculous. And uh, we need to purchase it. We need to buy it and we need to be done with it. It's critical for visibility for our church. Long term, we'd love to get a bigger and better sign out there, uh, better than the white wood one that's been there, I think, since Jesus first came. So we want to do a little bit better on that. Uh, But that is a key piece of property, and it's not an exciting thing. It's just we got to do it. Like, we just need to be done with that and get it. So we've got to get the the, uh, visibility and property. The third thing is this. This is the the least exciting, but hold on. It's going to get more exciting in a minute. We have 220,000 square feet of indoor property, indoor buildings, 220,000 square feet. We have no maintenance building whatsoever. We're spending a lot of money outsourcing things that we could do here, repairs that we need to make, things we need to build, things that need to be assembled, all of that uh, is happening. And we just, we have to have a maintenance facility. It's not expensive, but right behind our current, uh, the radio station building right behind there, we've got a place we can put it back in the trees. We can get a new road for it. One of the reasons it's important is because once we build parking, we lose all of the parking for our buses, not just school, but the buses, the vans that are picking up our senior adults on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night and for special events, there's no place left for them. So we'll put a new driveway up there so that they can park in that facilities building. It's just something that absolutely has to happen. Again, not exciting, but it has to happen. All right, I've got one more and this is more exciting. Are you ready? We've got to get parking. We've got to take care of visibility. We just need to buy that property. We need to take care of facilities, but here's the other thing we need. If we're gonna continue to maintain our growth while at the same time keeping the feel of family, we have to have a fellowship hall. We have to have a place where the family can gather and eat together. I love our atrium. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But almost every event we have there is overcrowded. We need more space for our men's breakfast. We need more space for women's events. Our XYZ monthly meeting is uh, almost at capacity. Our Wednesday night dinners are at capacity. And so we need a place to do that. Now listen, our first thought was let's expand the atrium and build a big fellowship hall there. We got some people in, some architects, those who do church work. We're talking at least... $7 million to expand the atrium, build a new building, adding on to this facility is extremely expensive. Will we do that someday? Maybe so. But I don't want to engage in a three-year capital campaign with you in order to do that, because we need something now. So we started having some thoughts. What what if we just took some of our beautiful property right out here, outside of Door D there, just really close where our cross-country trail already is. What if we just built a big party barn? Just a big, fun place together, and to be excited, have big... Fellowship Hall. So I threw that out to a few people and they said, Well, the idea of a barn isn't super exciting, but I do like the idea of a, a fellowship hall. And so if we'll go to the next slide, this is kind of what we've decided to do. We do want to build a beautiful facility outside, right out here. That top picture is best case scenario, the bottom is worst case scenario. It's going to be somewhere in the middle there. I wanted you to see that. Uh, but here's what we need we need a large open space together for all kinds of different things. We have a beautiful location. And if you walk out door D and go to the sidewalk, it takes 40 steps to get from that to that building. It's right there. We'll still have a driveway going through where you can drive through, drop off, golf carts, all of those things to help people get back and forth from there. But we have to have something like this. Now, if you look at the next slide, a couple of things you need to know. An 8,000 square foot open room with a kitchen bathrooms, a huge indoor fireplace, a large outdoor patio, meeting rooms on the side, Uh, all of this in this facility used for men's ministry and women's ministry, like I said, XYZ. Uh, One of our hopes is on Sunday morning, this will be a place where our college ministry will meet. Our college ministry is growing. We need it to grow more. We don't have a place for them to meet. So we would love to see our college ministry just increase in size, and this would be a place for them, but we need it for all kinds of other things. And you know what I was telling Sky this morning? Almost no church does Wednesday night dinner anymore. Have you noticed that. That's kind of a, nobody does that anymore. But we do it, and you know what? I love it. It's one of my favorite times of the week. I know some of you can come, some of you can't. We come because there's seven of us and it's a $20 family max. I'll be honest, that's the reason we come. The fellowship's good. Feeding my family for 20 bucks? I mean, it's unbelievable. You know what I I told Sky? I said, instead of canceling, I'd like to see it doubled. What if we had 500 people? We have about 300 coming. Now it's totally packed out. We're having to get people to get up so more people can come. These are the kind of things that build family. A place after service to go and say, let's just have lunch out out, uh, over in the other facility this afternoon. Those are the kind of things that begin and continue to cultivate the family feel that is in our church. It's something that we need to do now say, well, this sounds great, but what are we going to call it? The barn doesn't sound great, okay? (laughs) Let me tell you a little story here. Stay with me. I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you a little story. I was thinking about this a lot. We've been talking kind of internally about it. One night I couldn't sleep because I was thinking, can we do this? How are we going to do this? Is this the right thing to do? I couldn't sleep. I got up, I opened my Bible to my daily Bible reading, what was next, and I went to Exodus 32. Exodus 32 is when the Lord knew the people who were wandering through the wilderness needed a place together. They needed a place to meet, not only meet with God, but meet with one another. And he told them to build the temple and the tabernacle. And it says there, the most amazing thing happened, Moses just told them what they needed. And it says, they all came with a generous heart and a willing heart. God stirred that heart up within them and they accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Everybody brought things. And I thought, you know what, Lord, if you've stirred up a generous and willing heart before, you can do it again. That's a passage I've read all week to continue to encourage me. But then I started to think. I started to remember that in 1912, there was a group of churches in Athens who decided to have a tent meeting because of the amount of lost people and how Athens was growing in 1912. And so they started a tent meeting. Over 100 people came to know Christ in that meeting. It lasted three weeks. And out of that meeting started a new church, which eventually became Prince Avenue Baptist Church. 138 charter members then in 1912. And the first name of that church was the Baptist Tabernacle. So my thought is in honor of who we've been in the past and our faithfulness and all that God has done through this church and in honor of what we want this place to be, we'll just call it the Tabernacle. It'll be a place where we're together, where we'll meet, where we'll spend time together and ministering one to another, the Tabernacle. Not only of honor of who we are, but in honor of who we want to be. Now, let me answer a couple of practical questions and I'll be done. What do we need in order to do all of this? Well, one of the exciting things is our school is about to start a capital campaign and they have agreed to share the cost of some of these shared facilities, uh, the land and some other things. And so they're sharing the cost with us. But the total cost to us, listen carefully, the total cost to us is for all of this, everything I just mentioned is $2.4 million. Now listen, because of the sale of the radio station, the faithfulness of our people for a long time, we already have $1.4 million in our capital funds. $1.4 $1.4 million. That's not including our operating fund. Someone said to me yesterday, why don't we just use the 461000 were over budget because we need a healthy operating funds, and this surplus is actually really getting us to a healthy place. So we've got to keep operating funds, but $1.4 million right now in our capital funds, which means in order for us to do all of the things I just mentioned, build the building, the parking facilities, all of that, uh, we need to raise a million dollars. We need to raise a million dollars. A part of that $1 million is a fund that we're beginning for family benevolence. The family is growing. We need more benevolence help. We've got $25,000 set aside to help a new benevolence fund because the internal needs are getting higher. You say, well, how are we going to get $1 million? Here's the answer. We're going to raise $1 million in five weeks. Okay? We're going to raise $1 million in five weeks. This is not a big deal. I don't know if you're quiet just because you're usually quiet or... So on May 12th, not this Sunday, not next Sunday, but the next Sunday, we're gonna start with one big offering day, okay? One big offering day, and we're gonna go all the way to June 9th, that's five Sundays, And everything given to the building fund within those five weeks is going to go to this project. We're going to not do pledges. We're not doing commitment cards. We're just going to give what we can give in five weeks. And whatever we have, we're going to build. We're not going to take any debt. We're just going to trust the Lord. Let me tell you something unique. I'm not going to report back how much we have in five weeks. I'm not going to know how much we have in five weeks. We're just going to get to the end of the five weeks, all of us doing what we can, and we're going to see what we've got. I'm not going to come and beg you every week. I'm gonna trust that you're gonna pray and I'm gonna trust that you're gonna listen to the Lord and I'm gonna trust that you're gonna give according to your means. And that's the way this works. The way it works is this, every, listen to me, every family participating, everyone, everyone, I believe if you pray and you ask the Lord what to do and you do it, we're gonna have no problem doing this whatsoever. And I'm gonna ask you to give according to your means. For some of you, $100, amen. Thank you. This one guy is giving. He's excited. He's writing a check right now. Listen to this. For some of you, $100, $200 is a sacrificial gift. Can I say something else? For some of you, $50,000 is not a sacrificial gift. You don't feel that. For some of you, $100,000 is not a sacrificial gift. I'm gonna ask you to give according to your means. We're gonna see what we have in five weeks. And I absolutely believe that if God is in this, which I believe he is, we can do it. You say, well, why are we doing this now? Because I don't wanna wait to the fall and mesh up our missions offering. And I wanna wait till next spring. You know why? Because we can't wait a year and a half for parking. We can't wait a year and a half for the rest of this. Now is the time. We need to do it absolutely right now. And so we're just going to do it. A million dollars in five weeks. If you're in, say amen. 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 I'm videoing everyone who just said amen. (laughs) Amen. Listen, we have taken this to so many different people getting feedback. I really believe this is possible. Let me tell you two reasons. It excites me so much and we'll be done. The first one is this. It excites me because it helps us preserve what makes us distinct. Every single thing we're talking about is making way for the family to continue together, a place for the family to enjoy. All of this continues to preserve what makes us distinct. The key, I believe, to us moving forward as a church and continuing to grow. But the second reason it excites me is this, is that in Joshua chapter four, we talked about the way in which God takes moments and turns them into monuments. So the next generation can praise the Lord for what he's done. I believe this moment is gonna be a monument in which we're gonna see what God can do. And I think we're gonna rejoice in the goodness of God and the generosity of God's people. We're gonna rejoice the whole way as we see God do this. This moment will be a monument. So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna start praying. We're just gonna start praying. We're really gonna pray. We're gonna pray for ourselves. What do we want to do? We're gonna pray for willing and generous hearts. God has to stir that up in the people. We're gonna ask God to make this into a moment that's a monument. We're gonna start praying and asking God to move and asking God to work. We're also gonna remain faithful. We're gonna keep engaged. We're gonna keep involved. We're gonna be ready to serve and to do what needs to be done in order for us to continue to grow. And listen to this, even though we're full, we're gonna keep inviting people to come to church and to follow Jesus Christ. And even this morning, if you are not confident that you're a part of the family of God, by trusting in Jesus Christ, you need to join the family of God and then find a local family and a church to join as well. God is building a family. And it is in that family, not only when you learn how to belong, but it's a place in which you learn how to follow Jesus. Praise God that in his sovereignty, he didn't just assemble a group of co-workers, he assembled a family. And that's what he's doing. So this morning, in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time to respond. We've got one more song left and pastors and prayer partners are going to be here. Can I just say to you, if if you need to talk to someone about a prayer need or your relationship with Christ, would you come and talk? But listen, if God is stirring in your heart about this, if this resonates with you and there's a longing for you to see God do something, can we just take some time to pray this morning? God, would you come and manifest yourself? Would you stir up our hearts for your glory? If you would, let's begin this morning by praying. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.